Welcome to the Closing Time Podcast for June 23rd, 2019. I am Joe McGuire. She is Abby Bro. You can check us out at ClosingTimePodcast.com. Get all the latest news from the real estate world, helpful tips for buyers, sellers, and other agents, and see all of our previous podcast episodes. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. Now, there was a this, this lawsuit thing twists and turns, it seems, just about every week. Um, talk about the class action lawsuit that basically could upend the real estate industry by effectively forcing changes in how buyers are traditionally compensated. Mm-hmm. Um, buyers agents are. There are nine law firms who have filed uh, an amended complaint, which consolidate the two previous complaints. On June 14th, this amended complaint alleged that NAR and the named real estate brokers and franchisers have violated the Sherman Act by agreeing, combining, and conspiring to impose, implement, and enforce anti-competitive restraints that can cause home sellers to, play, to pay inflated commissions on the sale of their home. Now, the main restraint that the complaint refers to is the NAR rule requiring listing brokers and their agents to make a blanket unilateral offer of compensation to buyer brokers when listing a property. Uh, that offer of compensation must be made regardless of the fact that buyer brokers represent the buyer, not the seller. And because it's a blanket offer, it cannot vary according to the buyer broker's experience. So here's, here's the thing. By virtue of forcing sellers to pay both sides, mm-hmm. this is ultimately what we're what this is boiling down to. It's an undue expense for the seller. It literally is coming out of the seller's pocket to pay both agents. Right. And that's not that's not allowable. As a matter of fact, the amendment cites NAR's own standard of practices, uh, 3-2 in the standard of practice 1616 is evidence that NAR impedes effective negotiation of the offer of compensation. When you've already got it... Pre-planned, there's no negotiation. Mm-hmm. Again, if I'm expecting to get 3% on my end, and they're only offering 2.5, that's got to be negotiated into a contract. Right, and but you have that negotiated with your buyer prior to um, going to look for homes and prior to putting in an offer on homes. Right. Yeah, so they understand that typically... Um, uh, buyer's agent compensation is 2.5 industry standard um, so if you have that conversation with your buyer when you're signing your buyer broker agreement that they're responsible in the case that they only offer 2.5 that they have to pay the remaining right 0.5. now things are getting even worse because Keller Williams and the way they train their agents to respond to seller requests to lower buyer broker commissions is also under fire in that lawsuit. Okay. They literally pointed out to the scripts that Gary Keller and Keller Williams training agents use as evidence uh, that basically people are steering buyers away from listings that offer lower commissions and discourages by uh, sellers from offering lower buyer brokerage commissions because of steering, which thereby keeps buyer broker commissions at a standard level of about 3%. The complaint argued that a NAR MLS rule requiring listing brokers and their agents who represent home, home sellers to make a blanket unilateral offer of compensation to buyer brokers when a listing puts tremendous pressure on sellers to offer the high industry standard commission or risk buyers being steered away from their listing. Yeah. And again, I mean, it's not. That's never been something that's ever even occurred to me. They don't have the uh, scripts here in the article, um, but I would. I'm. You know, I've, I've seen some of their scripts, but I actually haven't seen the ones that they're referring to here. But that's that's terrible. And well, as a buyer, I would hope that someone would see right through that and be like, no, I really want this home. Right. And, and look, we, we've all been through those sorts of trainings where they, they, they teach you how to tell your your buddy that you're not taking the listing at 4%. Yeah. That, that, that's right. two, two aside's not getting it done because that's the reality of the situation. But I've never seen it. I've never seen it at work. Yeah. I've never been no. in a situation where I've thought, like, I'm not showing that house. It's 2%. Yeah. I've had a listing. I think I had a listing once at 5%. So offering a 2.5% buyer brokerage, 
I didn't. I didn't feel like people were were skipping that listing. We got it. Got a fair amount of 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 showing. So I didn't. I've never seen it. I've always felt weird about that kind of being a thing. Yeah. Because that doesn't seem right based on everything. But I've never seen it be abused. So I guess I didn't think it was a problem. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, thankfully, I don't feel like I've ever worked with an agent that would would do that. But you never know. I guess. And that's, I guess, why we're here. Because, I mean, this is uh, nationwide. so Correct. Yeah, it's not... Yeah, I mean, and it's not to pick on Keller Williams. They're just, you know, higher profile. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, Gary Keller's a, a very high profile guy in the industry. Very well known for, for the things that he does. And, uh, and be, I think by virtue of being a leader in the industry, you know, it makes him kind of an easy target. Yeah. Um, but definitely something that, that has the potential to really change this industry... Although, you have to assume, being that it's tied up in the court system, we're probably looking at four, five, seven, ten years out before mm-hmm. all this stuff really ever gets settled. Yeah, good point. So, I mean, we'll be there every step of the way for you. That's all you gotta know. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I found this other article. I thought this was really interesting because I've come across some very bizarre homes lately. I was just in one that was that's haunted. Uh, which is its its own experience, but uh, red flags when looking for your next home. These are these are things you should definitely be looking out for. Um, number one, while there may be other houses for sale on the street, especially during the busy seasons of spring and summer, a lot of houses on the market in the same area can be a warning sign. Right? Have you ever seen that? Where like it seems like the entire neighborhood's for sale, and you're like, something going on here. Yeah, I actually have seen that a lot. Um, and it, it is a little nerve-wracking. You don't know why, right? Yeah. I mean, is it because the taxes are going up? Do you know something about the town that we don't? Right, yeah. Uh, class size and school systems are, are very important, obviously for a whole bunch of reasons, but schools should be adding enrollment. If they're seeing less students, again, red flag. Something's not right here. If the education in your town is doing well, you would expect people are trying to get into it Exactly. Not getting out of it. Uh, here's the third one. If the neighborhood lot has lots of empty storefronts, be weary. Empty storefronts points to an area in decline. I almost feel like that's a pretty obvious one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what else do you need? Like, the dust ball to kind of go through downtown? Yeah. Yeah, you need um, to have residents there that have money to shop. I was in downtown of Britain a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it seemed like... A lot of the formerly empty storefronts uh, have stores again. Yeah, I actually noticed that too. I had to drop off a um, a check at an attorney's office in um, New Britain last week, actually last Tuesday, and I thought the same exact thing. Right? Yeah. It's nice to see. I'm so glad. Yeah. Uh, number four, if limited parking at the house you're looking at is something you'd noticed while you were visiting it the first time, could be the Achilles heel of that house. That's yeah. definitely going to be a problem. So I think that goes with anything. If you notice it right off the bat, it's a big one. Yeah, and especially if you want to have friends over, where are they going to park? And then especially in the wintertime, you have to park in the, the road. Um, are you going to get towed? Are you going to have to always move your car and find a place to park? That's definitely something to think about. Oh, you definitely. don't think about that in the summer. Well, you know, it's so funny when, 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 because uh, I bought my house uh, in December, mm-hmm. and my house has a pool too, and so, and I didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a thorough inspection of the pool done right. in the winter, because I couldn't. Right. But, you know, I mean, what did you do? Did you have any money put in escrow or did you have any money put aside from the seller so that when it was time to turn the pool on, did you get an inspected? No, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I got can... such a killer deal on it that they were like, you could afford to get the pool yeah. fixed. And I'll tell you, no, the, and, and as it turned out, it was fine. I mean, I've had, I've had issues with it every year, but it's a pool. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. They, they, have have issues. Issues they have issues every year. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've been in situations where we've seen houses where parking is a, is a problem. And, and, you know, they're like, we're big, we're big entertainers over here. And I'm like, well, then. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to be the right place for you. 
Yeah, so it seems like that was, I, I stole your number five, so the off-street parking. Yes. Um, I did want to add something to that. So we just discussed, um, you know, not being able to um, test the pool or air conditioning in, in colder weather. But another thing you can't really test is to see if a lot of the trees in the backyard um, are dead in the winter. You know, and that's yeah. not something that usually you have, you know, you have a, um, inspectors come, but you don't usually don't have a tree guy. I highly recommend if you're buying in a heavily wooded area, maybe with a tight backyard where you can't, you know, someone can't access it to take a tree down very easily, is to have a tree guy come assess the trees because when spring comes and that giant tree in the backyard doesn't have any leaves on it and it's going to come down in your house and you ha or you have to take it down, uh, that could be a huge expense. So just another red flag something yeah. to look out for. I, I, I've heard as much as five grand to take down a tree in oh, a bad yeah. spot. Yeah, because you have to get a crane, you have to bring it over the house. Yeah. You know, it's not no, crazy. I actually talked to an arborist who actually looked at a tree in my yeah. yard and wants $5,000 to take it down. Yeah, and that's, you know, you want to put that money towards Granite County Shops or something. Right on. You can't. Absolutely. Um, with all the lawsuits, and, and, and again, we kind of joke week in and week out as we go through some of the news, it's like the real estate police blotter. Right. But fact of the matter is, is you can trust your real estate broker. Uh, a a Manhattan real estate agent wrote this this blog for Forbes magazine called "You Could Trust Your Real Estate Broker," a and here's why he wrote it. According to a 2018 Gallup poll on the subject of most and least trusted professions, 19% of Americans consider the ethical standards of real estate agents as either low or very low. While 54% of the population consider our honesty to be average. <laughs> you may conclude that we real estate brokers have nothing to complain about, especially compared to members of Congress who, according to the poll, 58% of Americans consider to be unethical. But when almost a fifth of the country's population thinks that the profession that we've dedicated most of our life to, it's upsetting. So... And it's an unfair opinion, especially because the, the first thing that, that gives true value to the work that we do is the ethical foundation upon which it is built. Mm -hmm. uh, the job of a real estate broker is trust-based. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to earn your trust. We're trying to earn your, your business, not just to sell you this home today, but to be a part of your life forever. Right. That That's what this really is all about. Uh, so to, to sort of see people kind of feel that way it, it's very upsetting brokers who don't own their clients trust they, they shouldn't be in the business mm -hmm. you're, you're doing it wrong you're just doing it wrong um i i found that very upsetting you know but and i and i get it to a certain degree i think being in the profession you know it's easy it's easy to make fun of lawyers yeah you know uh and, and when i say lawyers i mean criminal defense attorneys those are the people who play hardest uh, or loosest with the facts, I should say. Right. But they have a job to do. Yeah, and they go to school for a very long time and pay a lot of money to get their degrees. Um, when, you know, for us, you know, it is a lot of time and energy put in and, and definitely a fair amount of money, but it seems like anyone can honestly become a realtor. You can get a license, not perhaps successfully have a real estate business. Um, but maybe that's where the distrust is, you know, because it seems like, Anyone can do it. I think within any profession, there's always a certain segment that are underhanded or a little bit shady. Yeah, or half in it. You know. Sure. Yeah. yeah it's their half time or their their part time gig. Um, they don't fully understand the ins and outs of um, the industry and how to serve their clients properly. I could show like a dozen houses in a couple of weeks and make like five grand. Right. Like right. that. There's people that are in it for the money. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. a thing. And then there's a you know, distrust. They don't understand exactly what we do. Um, and we, they don't think that we deserve the money that we get for it, which is, um, but, which is our, our, our fault because we have to prove our worth and show them why you know, we're actually saving them money with the work that we're doing. I, I'll be honest. I was enticed by the idea that you could make good money in real estate. You that, were. that was well. That was so. My dad had always. My dad's been a real estate agent in Connecticut since 1972. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever See, sold maybe more than ten houses in a year. Yeah. But he had a great job working on the railroad, and so he'd go out and you know, I mean, you you sell four or five houses on the side, you're making like another twenty thousand dollars a year. 
Like that's and so and solid. You've also seen a lot of glory days in that time. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, the the late 80s housing, uh, (laughs) I mean, that was, my mom got into the real estate market for three years during the height of that market, as did a bunch of her friends. I mean, it was, everybody was getting their license in the late 80s. It just seemed like the thing to do, because there was so much money to be made, and again, the whole thing was buyer beware. Right. That literally was how real estate went. Yeah. It was like, hey, let's see if we could scam these two suckers into buying this house for 30000 more than asking. And you think 30, 30 years later, after Buyer Beware, you know, um, there would be a different perception. Maybe maybe the number... I, I would be interested to see what these numbers were back then, you know, when it was Buyer Beware. Let's find out. Yeah, we can do that. Let's do a little research for next time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of honesty, uh, President Trump's one-time Greenwich estate recently sold... Uh, Donald Trump used to live in Greenwich with his former wife, Ivana Trump. They purchased that home for $4 million when they got married in the early 80s. When they divorced in the early 90s, Mrs. Trump kept the house. She eventually sold it for $15 million. The house went on back onto the market at $54 million. It sold for 38.5 which is 29% under asking. Yeah. That is rough. <laughs> that is rough. Yikes. We saw that here, obviously, in Connecticut oh, with, yeah. the, uh, with the 50 Cent, formerly Mike Tyson mansion. Yeah. Which, you know, I was talking to, um, I was actually talking to a Farmington agent who said to me, you know, it's such a great house. Farmington's such a great community. Just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. It's just not the house that you want to live in Farmington in. And there's so many great houses in Farmington. That one just really never belonged. No. No. But it would fit in Greenwich, Connecticut, probably. Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, 50 wouldn't have taken such a bath on that house. No. If it would have been in Greenwich. Uh, This is a really cool new thing. Uh, Ikea's got this campaign where they're recreating the living rooms of three iconic TV shows with furniture that can be bought in its stores. It's titled The Real Life Series. The IKEA United Arab Emirates campaign features living rooms from Friends, The Simpsons, and Stranger Things. Each room is created with furniture and accessories from the IKEA catalog. And while the campaign was designed by uh, this co- this company, the rooms will only be set up in select Middle East stores for right now and through an online catalog checklist. The Friends Room recreates uh, Monica and Rachel's apartment with the purple walls and uh, a beige armchair. The Simpsons Room has an... I can't imagine that one could be too great. It's an orange couch and a... Yeah. Yeah. It's the less impressive of It the is others. definitely... You've yeah. got to be a huge Simpson fan to love that. Yeah. Uh, the Stranger Things Room has the flowered wallpaper, Christmas tree lights, and a striped couch. And the alphabet. Yes. Uh, it should be clear that... that uh, there's no, there's no connection to the actual shows. No. Uh, the the Simpsons room is simply uh, titled for families. <laughs> the Friends room is titled for mates, and the Stranger Things room is for everyone. Everyone. Just this is a for everyone room, <laughs> yeah. just like that. Have you seen that show, Stranger Things? Um, I yes, I have seen it. I have not watched all the episodes. Oh, it's such a good show. Yeah, I know. I got to get back into it. I just don't have time. I know. It's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. You know? Um, But these are really impressive. And honestly, like, if I, I... I would totally love the friends room, you know? Like, back in the 90s. Obviously, like, I would, <laughs> not necessarily right now. Um, but yeah, you know what? I would love to see them do this with other houses too. I got a feeling it's gonna—they're gonna really expand that other, out. Yeah, with other shows. Yeah, yeah it, would, it would totally make sense. I love um, it. I'm—I'm I'm trying to think of what like married with children comes to mind if yeah. you're into like 80s decor or like that 70s show. Yeah. you know. <laughs> That would be cool. Oh, I have Roseanne. so many. Yeah. For all everyone. right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of all these famous living rooms that we've seen over the years. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, if you don't have a, a fancy uh, friend's room in your next listing, here are seven open house pointers to help you get more traffic. And I think this is one that you, you're you big on. Uh, number one, avoid overlap open house times. You know, almost everybody does the one to three on Sunday. Yeah. 
Those agents that do like a two to four, I like that. Yeah, right? Yeah, because now there's... I'm trying to squeeze in all the one to threes. Right. But you're there till four. Yeah, and then, you know, you have to think about when people are going to want to mow their lawn or you have to think about nap times. Um, I've done a couple one to threes where um, the mom, you know, or the, you know, the buyers had to come one at a time because there was a kid sleeping in the car. So you want to avoid that. So, yeah, two to four sounds good. Yeah. I, I've even Mix seen Saturday, like a nice Saturday morning. I do a lot of Saturdays. Yeah. yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, you're, you're definitely one of those people who doesn't just put your sign down Sunday at, at 1230 and no. from one to three, you're doing it like everybody else. You got to keep them guessing. You absolutely do. <laughs> Number two, stage the entryway. First impressions. It's what it's all about. Invest in sprucing up that entrance because... People walk in, it's the first thing they're going to see. Yep. You know, make it memorable from the from the word go. The first 10 steps of walking in the door is Tell, when the house is sold. I've gone up to houses where, like, the front walkway's a little jacked up. Yeah. Flowers in the bed are beat up and dead. That's not... Don't host an open house like that. No. Or, or price it accordingly. Yeah, or yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, number three, pay attention to ambiance. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're creating a relaxing and comfortable environment so the potential buyers can imagine themselves eventually living in that space. You know, I know a lot of the times we, we like to um, take all the feeling and personality out of the home, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can sort of visualize themselves being there. You know, some agents will bake cookies or pies just to kind of give you that, Mm, right. You know, kind of make you feel warm and, and, and homely. They're, they're good ideas. Yeah, play music. Um, our broker, Sanam, she enjoys Michael Bublé. Bobaloo, Bublé. Michael Bublé. I thought you were going to say Michael Bolton, and I thought, no. oh my goodness, that can't <laughs> no. be good for business. And nothing, <laughs> exactly, no. And nothing kills, um, you know, the first 10 steps worse than just like a card table and a folding chair or like one of those. Yeah. Like, like soccer chairs you bring to like the soccer game don't don't have that like you know have them dedicate a space or find a space where you can lay out all your information and be so number four use open house pro for your sign-ins get get some kind of digital sign-in system a, yeah. a piece of paper on a desk or on a like a folding table is not no it's the 21st century get with it right and it's because it is, make a make a video tour. And here's the thing, you don't have to even be in it. I know it's so tempting, like, I'll, you can just literally make a video on your phone of the house. Mm-hmm. A, a couple minute walkthrough, just to entice people so they know what, they're, what, what they have to find. And it's so important that what they see in the home video tour is what they're going to come and see. Right. I've had so many people show up because of pictures or videos that sort of misrepresented things. You're you're gonna upset people when you do that. I think I told you the story. I sold a, a, in a listing in Wallingford that I co-broked on, and the the driveway was at I, I I kid you not when I say a forty-five degree pitch. Wow. That's it was deep. awful. It yeah. was the it was and the bottom of the garage was I remember the uh, a white house green like a light pretty green garage door and the whole bottom of it was wood rotted. Oh yeah, and like algae and yes. so, yeah yeah. It I was know this, exactly what you're the water about. would pool up immediately and the co-broker on the the way she took the picture. Yeah. The front yard and the driveway looked flat as a board. Okay. I mean trick photography. People showed up. Mm-hmm. I remember, I'll never forget, there was a woman in heels who literally walked down the driveway sideways. Oh, my god! With her husband <laughs> guiding her yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This woman was like 28. Yeah. A young one. I mean, that's how steep it was. And I heard people how as they were walking towards the house, they were like, is this the right place? Right. Wow. Bad. For the pictures. Yes. I've actually done a deal, too, with a steep driveway like that, and they had included um, a vehicle, like a truck, for because the driveway was so treacherous that in the wintertime you cannot have it, you know, if it's snowing, you have to park in the front or the beginning of the driveway and then take this other rugged vehicle from where you oh parked your car goodness. to the house, and that was included in the sale. I would think that getting into this house, uh, so I, I have a bit of a steep driveway going up. 
mm-hmm. which is great because everything just runs right back down my driveway. Right. Sometimes, you know, I mean, if it's been snowing for four hours and I show up and I'm trying to go up my driveway, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. I could imagine for them, though, going in. You just hit your garage. You go right through the garage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, you yeah. hit that button for the garage door opener. That thing don't go up. You're no. going through it. Right. Not what you want. Uh, have a good cop report at the ready. That's that's really, be a neighborhood expert. Yeah. Don't just sell a house. Know the neighborhood. Know the area. On the buyer side, I really appreciate a knowledgeable listing agent who knows what they're talking about. Right. Uh, you know, when, when comparing the property to a, a lookalike in the area. Uh, on the listing side, I prefer uh, to, uh, a, a, an agent who's got a killer cop report so that I can... Uh, you know, kind of do my thing with that. It, it's so important to to really under. Again, you're not just selling a house. Mm-mm. You're selling. You're selling. First of all, you're selling the entire neighborhood and the entire town, and and you're impacting some people's lives. Right. Act like you care on all ends. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're gonna be there. We could potentially be working together for the next thirty to forty five days. Right. Let's let's all get off on the right foot. Put yeah. that little extra in. And to have that uh, information available for the buyer to um, look through is crucial. You can get these seven open house pointers to get more traffic at open houses by visiting closingtimepodcast.com. Here's number seven. Send out postcards and advertise in the neighborhood newspaper. Mm-hmm. I am uh, not a fan of waste. And traditional media is sort of, sort of becoming like landlines. There, there's so much more media these days. I still think postcards in the neighborhood are probably the most effective way to let people in the area know that your house is on the market. Right. It's tried and true. Neighbors are naturally curious when a house goes on the market. Right. Leads can always come from people who know people who are interested in a specific neighborhood. Right. It's, it really is your best bet. No, I totally agree. But what I don't agree on is when you are you sell the house and you then um, alert the neighborhood that you sold it in one day, that doesn't happen. That's misleading. It makes yes. them think that the house is on the market one day and then the next day a buyer's living in it. They don't understand that. So that's misleading information for the seller and it's a dis- or for the uh, neighborhood and it's a disservice to other realtors. In my opinion. That's true, true. Yeah. And I've... And especially if you've if the um, house has gone on and off the market, expired listings, and then you bring it back on for a day and it gets it under contract, um, and you say sold in one day, not really. It's been on the, the market for six months. It just seemed under this contract for some reason it's old. As a radio personality for 20 years, mm-hmm. I gave away a lot of stuff on the air. Yeah. Tickets, whatever. Some stuff cool, some stuff not cool. I didn't always play the winner back on the radio. Okay. You know, like, hey, who's your concert connection hookup? And they're like, this station. I didn't do that because once the contest is over, I thought to myself, it's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know you didn't win because I didn't tell you you were the winner. Okay. Do you care who won? Does it even matter to you? Um, and. Where are you going with this? <laughs> I'm going in, in, in the same respect of like, hey, this house in your neighborhood sold. Call oh, me. Like, right. okay, okay, great. You're a realtor. You sold a house. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, no, because you are marketing yourself. I understand. Oh, I understand you what you're yeah. doing. But again, the idea like, I sold this in, in a day. day. I'm amazing. And you're like, well, I yeah. mean, are you or yeah. do you always sell them in a day? Yeah. Because yeah. if that was your thing, then advertise that. Yeah. I've sold 17 houses in a row, all within 24 hours. I'm the That's best. huge. That guy can promote himself as selling the house in one day because he always does it. And I also understand on the flip side, if it's a hot neighborhood and you're like, listen, houses are selling in a day right now, then that's cool. Right. You know what I mean? But still, be honest about it. Be like, okay, so... The house was under contract within a certain amount of time. <laughs> and then, you know, and then it closes in 45 days. Well, it's like those people are like, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Oh, right. That's, right? That's... And it's like, oh, yeah, here's all the other conditions to it. I'm yeah. buying it 45% of the total value. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. 
Uh, be honest with people. We have a we have a perception we're trying to get cleared up in this industry. Let's all go on the straight and narrow. Thank you. Now, uh, you know, you, you and I, uh, again, as we've been going through some of the real estate news, sometimes the news about Connecticut hasn't always been great. Yeah, I was... I've. Every time we try and talk about it, it kind but of we gives love me Connecticut. You and I love yeah. this state. You and I are very big on this state. It's certainly got its issues. I wouldn't. I've lived in other states. I only like this one. Mm-hmm. I only want to be here. I came back to the state because I really love it, and I really want to see things go well. And there's so much to love about this state. Yes. And so we're gonna sort of just kind of go through some of the best places to eat or drink. In Connecticut. Yeah. Because uh, there's so many of them. As a, as a matter of fact, right off the bat, best airport restaurant, <laughs> Black Bear Saloon at Bradley, is... I'm not a big airport guy. Is this where we start, really? The We're literally going to start there only because I love their food. Okay. It's really good. Have you ever driven to the airport just for the Black Bear Saloon's food? No. No? Okay. But I will go to the airport hungry. Okay, on purpose. Because I know I could go to Black Bear Saloon. It's Fair right enough. there, and it's really good. It is right there, right after you get out of or get through security. Yeah, so I I, I think that one's uh, right. you have to throw we'll that one out there. Put it on the there. list, date night. Right. Right. Um. Now uh, here's another one. Uh, have you ever best Chinese restaurant in Connecticut? Peking Edo in New Haven. Yeah, it's really good. If you so here's the thing about Chinese food. Everybody's got a Chinese food place that they go to. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not really Chinese food. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like American. Right. Chinese if you food. want real Chinese food, yeah. Go here. Yeah, no, because I totally agree. It is definitely something to to behold. Mm. Put it to you like this. Um Gotta imagine best food truck in Connecticut because it's in Glastonbury. The Mercado food truck, five stars on Yelp. Beautiful. I mean, the best. Mm-hmm. The absolute best. Do I mean, Glastonbury's gorgeous uh, with all the summer concerts and stuff that they yeah. do. Uh, and there's so many options to eat in Glastonbury. And this one oh, is yeah. a must, I would say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many. So, so many. Yeah. Man, oh man. Um, this one I want to shout out. The best brunch is the Engine Room in Mystic. Uh, have you ever been there? I have not. I, have not. I went there for my bachelorette party. Oh no, kidding! Yeah. How was well, it? Well, it was brunch. Well, it was like a weekend. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, the food was phenomenal. I felt special. It was great. I mm. highly recommend it. It's perfect for, um, you know, friends, family, and even it's family friendly with little kids. Mimosas too. or Bloody Marys. Um, I used to be a mimosa girl, but I'm a Bloody Mary girl now. Oh, right on. Yeah, I need my veggies somehow now. Well, that's I good. I realize I feel better if, if I have my veggies. <laughs> yeah. The first big boy restaurant I ever ate in my life uh, features the best pasta dish in Connecticut, the lasagna at Consiglio's in New Haven. I've been there, too. Uh, between Consiglio's and Trace Scalini, just uh, believe the same person owns both, mm-hmm. all through the, the late 90s and the early 2000s. Absolutely love eating Downtown New Haven in general has just always been my jam. You know, I I grew up in Meriden. I I went to college in New Haven. I used to roam the streets of New Haven a lot. Big fan of the New Haven pizza. Yeah. Um, When I finally had to move up to the Hartford area, it's different. Mm -hmm. It's not anything like New Haven. No. I like it. I mean, it's growing. Hartford's been growing on me, but deep down... We'll always love New Haven yeah. better. Yeah, and but New Haven is also always changing on its own. There's a lot of new restaurants opening up. So on Tuesday of this past week, um, I was invited. Monday night, I got a text from one of my previous buyers. She texted me kind of late. It was like, hey, you down for drinks tomorrow? And I'm like, of course. <laughs> yeah. So she surprised me. Actually, she invited me to a restaurant opening in New Haven on Chapel no, State Street. Tavern on State. Brand new. Just opened this week. It's phenomenal. Oh, I, I Yeah. I recommend the Grilled Octopus. Ooh. Yeah. And any drink octopus. they have. And any drink it. will any do. Any drink, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Yes. Since we're on the, the subject, New Haven. Best pizza. Um, I, I would say bar. Really? Yeah. Bar is so good. Or modern. No, modern. Yeah, Ooh. it's tough. 
You know, I I know a lot of people, and and look, this is no disrespect to Peppies. I pick Modern. I would pick Modern over Peppies. There's just, they're both so good. Mm -hmm. You can't go wrong, but yeah. But Bar, that's a good one. Yeah. Man, I've spent plenty of nights at Bar chowing down on pie. Definitely. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Bar has a lot to offer. Yeah, it does. Um, Best restaurant, the Oyster Club in Mystic. Have you ever been? No. Um, I've been told to go, and in fact, I've had a gift card, a $100 gift card from my sister-in-law for about two years now. So, it's I the think, best restaurant in Connecticut. I what more? You go. have a gift card, and it's the best. I don't know what... Do you need a babysitter? Yeah, here's the thing. She gave it to me for my bridal shower. No, not my... Oh, baby shower. My baby okay. shower. I apologize. So, yeah, yeah. I can't eat oysters when I'm oh. pregnant. <laughs> I can't get... How insensitive. I can't have a couple drinks with my husband (laughs) when I'm pregnant. And then you have a baby. And so two years later, you're like, oh, where's that gift card? Oh, my goodness. But yes, I will take you up on the offer to babysit. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. you got to get out there. Yeah, because it's gorgeous. It's in downtown Mystic. Have you been there recently? Yes. Yeah, it's huge. And they are are putting in brand new buildings for for rentals and for um, condos. And they're gorgeous. I mean, it's going to be a mess with, with traffic, but, you know, <laughs> they'll figure it out. The best seafood shack in this state also ha- happens to have the best sandwich. Abbott's Lobster in the Rough. And no, I, yeah. yeah. You've been? Yeah. 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 We usually go there just to buy lobster, though. Yeah. And then we bring it home and cook it. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, the people there that are actually eating the sandwiches and everything, I'm jealous. It looks amazing. I am a big fan of clam chowder. Mm-hmm. The Clam Castle in Madison, rated best soup in Connecticut. If you if you haven't been, get on it. Yeah. Get on it, because you're missing out. Yeah, I agree. Clam chowder's the best. Best sports bar in Connecticut, Bobby D's Restaurant and Sports Bar up in Windsor Locks. That sounds like a great place for a sports bar. They do. I got to tell you. Uh, because I, I've been there a bunch of times. I broadcasted live from that place. Mm. It is there's a TV there. You can't stand anywhere and not see a TV of Bobby D's. Mm-hmm. The food again for for a sports bar, it's phenomenal. Now, do you remember that sports bar in Cheshire? What was it called? Damon's. Damon's. Yes, of course was I it do. Similar to Damon's. It was, Damon's was like a mini theater. Yes, it's a lot like. I would yeah. say it, it. It reminds me exactly of Damon's, but the TVs now because I haven't been to Damon's in like twenty years or however long it's been. It's now a CVS. The T. Yeah, is it it's CVS <laughs> yeah. now? The TVs now were all like you know thirty feet high. Right. Right. But right. yeah, oh my god. And oh, you I had your own little um, speaker on your yes! table. So good. Yes. Uh, and then the best steakhouse, um, David Burke Prime in uh, Mashantucket was voted number one. Uh, now, is that technically in Connecticut? Uh, that's why I was going to say. There there are some places. Uh, I mean, Morton's is always a winner. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of great steak places in oh, Connecticut. Oh, it is. It is in Connecticut. That's yeah. Technically, okay. technically still in Connecticut. Um, yeah, so David Burke, I had never been, but my husband and I really liked Kraft, the Tom Colicchio restaurant. And How was that one? It was it was great. We would go there all the time. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm a recovering vegetarian. When I met my husband, I started <laughs> eating meat. Um, so, but I wasn't, you know, I think I ordered, like, fish. But he got a steak, and it was our treat. And then, you know, it started getting cold because we were really just, like, having great conversations and everything. And they, they came over to us, and they were like, would you like it heated or warmed or, like, you know, they have, like, ways of, like, cooking that I don't know exist, yeah. you know? So, anyway, uh, the food was really great, but it's closed now, which is sad. Oh. Yeah. But we might try David Burke's Prime. That sounds like a great alternative. Well... Go cash in your your gift card first. God, so silly. <laughs> Do that, and I then will. and then we'll get you to David Burke Prime next. Okay, sounds good. Um, you mentioned this uh, when I first saw you today. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, a Cheshire house, but uh, Senator Chris Murphy sold his home. He did. Congratulations to him. Yeah. Looks like a, a little bit of an upgrade for Senator Murphy. Yeah. Well, I don't know where he's going, um, but I know that his home in Cheshire um, is has 
not sold. It's um, under contract, so. So he's getting there. He's getting there. So any any day, but um, yeah, I'd be interested to see where where he goes next. Um, but the house is three bedrooms, four baths, two thousand five hundred fifty square feet, um, and it's currently on the market for five hundred nineteen five hundred nineteen thousand nine hundred. All right. Yeah, it looks great. It's a beautiful home. I wonder where he's heading. I don't know. Probably somewhere nice, I'm betting. I'm betting. He's yeah. doing all right. Yeah. As is his buddy, Senator Cory Booker. Yeah. Uh, one of the many 2020 Democratic presidential candidates. How many are there now? Uh, I think there's 21. 21. I believe is the official count. Yeah. Now, Mr. Booker was once the mayor of New Jersey's largest city. He's one of the most high-profile people in the country. Uh, he announced his decision uh, back in February, and he, he, he did it with a, a video where he talked about the deep divisions in this country and stressed the importance of collective action. It's a really great message. However, his campaign ad hit a little cl- too close to home for some of the real estate industry. When I heard it, I think it was like Monday, I'm like, what? Yeah. Check this out. I grew up knowing that the only way we can make change is when people come together. When I was a baby, my parents tried to move us into a neighborhood with great public schools, but realtors wouldn't sell us a home because of the color of our skin. A group of white lawyers who had watched the courage of civil rights activists were inspired to help black families in their own community, including mine. And they changed the course of my entire life. Because in America, courage is contagious. Well, good thing for those lawyers, because those realtors sounded terrible. Absolutely terrible. Now, I'm not certainly going to make any defensive realtors uh, at a really crossroads time, uh, obviously, in in our country, where where segregation still ran really deep. Jim Crow was still sort of in effect. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. It's uh, sad. Well, of course it's sad, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's part of our, uh, it's part of the history of this country, and it's it's not uh, it's not anything that we're proud of. But to hear, except for some realtors, uh, yeah. I think that was a little uh, a little jarring for some people to, you know, again. But that again, we were just talking earlier in the show about back in the nineties, mm-hmm. buyer beware. I mean. My goodness. You know, the Code of Ethics has been around since 1910, I believe, if I did my continuing ed this year. Uh, The industry itself has always sort of lacked a lot of regulation. It was like, here, like, follow these ethical standards and you should be all right. But it was kind of it. Yeah. And you know what? Um, Booker is doing a lot for... um residential real estate and, and people who want to invest in communities that need investments. So um, I'm all for that. So hopefully that, you know, he could take his experiences and um, help people that are in the similar situations do better uh, for themselves. When you generations to come. When you pointed that out to me the other day, I was like, oh, into that and yeah. i watched it and i was like oh man it just seems like a oh yeah like it made my head turn sure i mean <laughs> look you know i think anytime you're part of a group who's got a history of you know where yeah. things were done differently i mean you don't feel good about it it's certainly again it's not a reflection on no. you know we we have a lot of training every year that we go through to make sure that we're not discriminating and there's a you know very tight laws to make sure that people are which is which is sad that there has to be laws yeah forcing that to happen but you know it's just a reminder of the actual power we do have that is that is very true you know that's it's a lot of power and it's great responsibility you're exactly right do good all right now you know we were you and i were excited uh, about our client appreciation party. Oh, super excited! Yeah, a uh, couple months away here. Mm-hmm. We, we, we just made a video the other day, which was a lot of fun. Um, here are eight steps to a successful client appreciation party. Uh, again, you can check out this blog. Travis Robertson, uh, guy does four year, and uh, he these are his absolute. You follow these rules, you're golden. You're gonna have a great night. And everyone's going to love it. And that's what we want, Abby. Yes. So, number one, plan and promote. 
You need to plan this out at least two months in advance. Check. He said I would recommend at least three months in advance, minimum two, because you want to have time to promote it. Number two, send invites. Once you have the time, now you need to make calls, send save the dates, send emails, video invites are great too. Could be as simple as just something coming out saying, hey, save the date, we'll have more info, but block out that date on your calendar, we're throwing a bash. Right. Uh, be food, fun, festivities, the whole nine. Just remember, the more you reach out, the better the experience is going to be, and the more people are going to show up. Yeah. Which I thought was great. That's really good advice. Yeah, and do, so what I've found is, so I did like a Facebook invite, um, and then I've also done um, like a postless invite or whatever, like an email invite. Yep. Um, but I'm actually sending out physical postcards so that people can put it on their on their fridges. Absolutely. That's yeah, great. I'm going to do it. Number three, keep it intimate. So if he says, if you're worried about the number of people that might show up because you only have 150 people in your database, keep it to an intimate dinner of 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think you can get 25 of your closest 150 people to show up for an intimate dinner? Of course. Yeah. Of course you can. Again, I... It, 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 it shocked me when we started doing this, and I started asking people if they'd want to, and they were like, loving it. I'll put it right on the calendar, they were like. I was oh, like, oh, good. of good course advice. they are. This is awesome. Yeah. What a great idea. Hey, we just want to appreciate you. Yeah. You want to come spend the day with us? Yes. <laughs> for sure. Uh, number four, plan it around another event. I like this idea. For instance, if you host your event at a pumpkin patch... There's going to be people there that aren't your clients. So, number one, you're exposed to people that aren't your clients. Mm -hmm. Number two, when your clients show up, they have no idea that there's just all these other people there. And they're going to think, wow, look at all the clients this guy has. He's amazing. Yeah. It's a win-win is what it is. Chance to meet some new people and uh, to sort of trick your people into thinking you know everybody. (laughs) Number five, tell people to invite their friends, which yeah. is critical to the whole process. It's a great way to blow up the number of people that are going to be there and to increase the number of referrals that you're going to get. Don't just invite your past clients. Don't just invite your sphere of influence. Say, hey, do me a favor. Bring people. You're welcome to bring whoever you want. All I ask is you RSVP so we know what sort of numbers to expect. It's mm-hmm. yeah. a good idea, Abby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what we did was, um, if you want your friends and family invited, send them our way, you know, if they're looking to buy or sell. But I think you're right. We would love to have, you know, their friends and family to come and join us. Right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Over the years, I've hosted a lot of golf tournaments. And people are like, you're such a charitable guy. That's so great. And I'm like, well, number one, I love to golf. Yeah. So just, you're thrown out there and I'm I'm instantly there. It's a no-brainer, you know? I've always liked being at charity events because, you know who goes to charity events? Good people. Good people. The kind of people I want to be around. Yeah. I've always felt that way. And I I just, there's there's a lot to it. Yeah. Uh, Number six, make it audience and clientele appropriate. Mm -hmm. Let's, no no adults only. and, and, And it should include people's children. Yeah. Because, as you know, as a parent, when someone's planning something and kids aren't invited, that causes so many more headaches and problems. You don't want them to put out money for a babysitter to um, come to your event. You want to make it easy as possible for them to enjoy this day. Right. Um, Number seven, hire a videographer and a photographer. This is very important. Now, could you hire a videographer that's also a photographer? Yes, but... Do not just hire a photographer. The key is the videographer. Mm. Make sure they're capturing everything because you're going to blast the crap out of this thing on social media when you're done. Oh, yeah. Great for client testimonials, which brings us to number eight. Create a client testimonial video at your client appreciation party. Right. Here's the thing. You invited these people out to celebrate your relationship with them, to thank them for being your client. And to, to stay in, again, you're looking for referrals. You want to help their family and friends. That's how you build your business. This is the day where you're going to ask for client testimonials. Mm-hmm. You may even go with so far as to say, hey, you know anybody buying or selling now? I could help. Right. Um, now would be the time. 
I, because I, I'll tell you what, Abby, I think the client appreciation party is a chance for you to really show your value to your clients because they understand that th it's not just me, that these, these, in this case, these people, I'm yeah. saying, right? Joe and Abby have helped all of these people. Right. And this is the way they treat all of these people. Mm -hmm. I want to be treated this way. Yeah. I want my people to be treated this way. So I think it's the perfect day to show sort of what you do for your clients and how you feel about them. Right. You know? And bring them all together so that they can have a day of fun. It's and great. And relax with their family. Yeah, and um, I've heard recently, because I have been talking to other agents and actually, you know, people that have bought and sold with other realtors, what their realtor has done. Yesterday I had a conversation with somebody. Their agent um, is renting out the entire uh, movie in Southington so that like all their clients can watch uh, Toy Story Four for free. Oh my god! Isn't that great? That's that's perfect for kids. Brilliant idea. Yeah, and you know the food's already there. You know you don't have yep. to think about anything extra. So I mean, smart. it might be hard to do like a videographer at that event, but you figure something out. You know, have somebody in the the lobby taking pictures. Maybe. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I saw Toy Story Four yesterday. You did? Did you cry? Um, I cried. Then I left. And I talked about it with my daughter, and uh -huh. I cried more. Oh, my gosh. It is... I can't watch them anymore. The best is of it? the four. Okay. It oh. is... It satisfied everything I wanted out of that movie, and nobody died. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, no, everybody's fine. Like an up? Yeah. Oh. Everybody's fine in this, but uh, the ending is... is it's the best. I, I, right. I, I, I'm going to start crying right now if I continue to talk about it, but get out there and go Another see Toy one. Story 4. If you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, was that axe throwing place in um, Wallingford. Okay. Have you seen it? Heard of it? I know a lot of people that have been doing it. It's yeah. the hot thing. Uh, last year, it was the, it was the, the, where you drink wine and paint. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's axes. And it's axe throwing. So that would be good for, um, you know, a select small group of your clients. Yeah. Um, your best clients. Your best clients. Cause it is BYOB, which I find yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So you make sure you bring the right people there. Um, another one was Brownstone in Middletown. Okay. Where they got everybody. Um, it, it, that's like the outdoor water park where they turn the quarry into the water park. So nice. that was like another. So it, just an event for people, you know, free day at the at Brownstone. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway. We got a lot of good ideas. Yeah. Keep yeah. Going. Might have to have a whole meeting on. Uh, I know. Uh, what our next one's going to be. Yeah. ClosingTimePodcast.com is the website. You can get all the latest news, get all these great tips, and so much more uh, all throughout the real estate world. We have tips for buyers, sellers, and agents and all of our previous podcast episodes. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also offer home video tours, real estate branding videos, aerial shots, drones, and so much more. Go go to ClosingTimePodcast.com. Click on the CMG Real Estate link. For Abby Brown, I'm Joe McGuire. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Closing Time Podcast.